tweet at SAFM Radio and at Songezomabete. Songezomabete on SAFM. And I will just invite Ms. Lana Marks to introduce her guest and the guest perhaps to respond before at nine o'clock we have to take the news break then. Certainly. Um, I would very much like to introduce our health attaché, the U.S. Mission Health Attaché, Sophia Siddiqui. I'm actually going to do something very different because I'm going to hand it over to her. Her resume is far too long and far too outstanding. We have been so blessed to have her with us on the ground in South Africa. Sophia, welcome to the program tonight. Please give a very brief summation of the highlights of what you've done in your career and now with what you're doing together with South Africa before I have a couple of questions for you. Thank you very much, Ambassador Marks, and thank you, Sangezo. It's an honor and privilege to be with both of you tonight. Um, as Ambassador Marks said, I serve as a U.S. health attache, but I am an infectious disease physician by training. And I've spent the past 18 years of my life at the National Institutes of Health in the United States doing research in HIV, TB, and emerging infectious diseases in three continents um, around the globe with many, many wonderful collaborators and some tremendous work done by everybody. And now I am very privileged to be here in South Africa with all of you and serving here at the mission in South Africa and working with some amazing South African collaborators. Um, I just have to say, Sophia, you are one of the most accomplished ladies in this area that we have the privilege to have in South Africa to be assisting with the NIH and also with the PEPFAR program. But, uh, Sophia, terribly interesting. Last week, all of the major players in HIV research around the world, including heavy hitters from the U.S. and South Africa, gathered for the annual International AIDS Conference. Of course, the conference was held virtually this year, which was a new experience for everyone. But could you give us the big HIV news coming out of the conference and then leading to COVID as well? Thank you, Ambassador Marks, for that question. And yes, I did attend the IAS meeting last uh, week. Um, given that there are three minutes, I'm going to really summarize to nine o'clock when we have to take a break. Um, I'm going to very quickly summarize um, one notable development that was announced this year, and it's very pertinent given some of the conversation we just had with Ms. Nagaduka um, around the uh, pre-exposure prophylaxis, uh, or PrEP as it is called. Um, PrEP is a very effective prevention method for people who don't have HIV but think they might be at risk. And they can protect themselves and reduce the chance of contracting HIV through sexual transmission. Right now, PrEP is in the form of a pill called Truvada that is taken every day and it is available right here in South Africa. At the conference, results of a study were released showing that a new form of PrEP, which is an injection of medication, cabotegravir, um, and is administered every two months, was even more effective at preventing HIV infections than the daily pill, especially among men and transgender women. This specific study was funded by the United States government and people in both Amer the Americas and South Africa participated in it. While the results are preliminary, um, the um, injectable PrEP is not yet available to the public, unfortunately, but these findings have the potential to really change the future of HIV prevention and increase options for those who feel that PrEP is the right choice for them. 
The idea is to make it easy and acceptable. As you've just heard, we have a huge focus in our community of preventing these infections, and sometimes taking a pill every day is hard for people to do. So the scientific community is really trying to respond to the needs of our population and finding new and effective forms of HIV prevention, such as this one. Um, this is a few injections a year versus a pill once it becomes available, and this could be a game changer and may help people who are considering taking um, prevention to come and uh, find it more accessible and easier to use. Thank you very much indeed. And we're hoping one day we'll, we'll soon have an HIV vaccine so that we can end new infections for good. Are we getting close there? And please explain the 1990-90 and how do we get to epidemic control, if you can be very brief. Um, definitely. I'm going to try to cover all of those questions really quickly. So um, vaccines, yes, they, it has been a huge effort for us to try to get to closer to a vaccine, but we really aren't there yet. The researchers are really working on it. Um, the U.S. government is partnering with many scientists, world-class scientists and research institutions right here in South Africa. They've been part of the um, HIV vaccine trials. And at the conference last week, the Imbukodo trial, um, which is also occurring here in South Africa, uh, presented that the experimental vaccine doses have been given to all the trial participants. And now that the participants will be followed for two years, there's definitely going to be more to come on this particular vaccine and where we go from there. Um, right now, however, our parts are controlling the epidemic and getting to a 1990-90 and getting to saving as many um, lives as we can from HIV is through our proven tools and prevention methods like PrEP. Um, I, if we have a few moments, uh, so I can talk a little bit more about treatment because that is as prevention because that is going to be one sure, of our Sure, we will ways. talk about the treatment aspect. Thanks so much there, Dr. Siddiqui. We'll talk about treatment after the news break. Thank you so much for the indulgence there, Mr. Greg Host, who is on standby for the news at 21 hours. Everything else continues on the other side of that. on SAFM. If you've joined the party an hour too late, you have missed out on some of the most riveting radio we have held on SAFM's hashtag Tuesday takeover to date. Of course, our takeover guest this evening is the ambassador of the United States to the Republic of South Africa, Ambassador Miss Lana Marks, who is both a South African and an American, but right now she wears the cap and hat of being the U.S. ambassador to the country. She's currently in conversation with Dr. Sophia Siddiqui, who is currently serving as the United States Health Attaché to South Africa in the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services in the regional representative capacity. The conversation between the two ladies then continues, after which we will continue with the show this evening and as well as engage Ms. Marks in relation to some of the comments and calls that have come through from you who sits at home listening and anticipating responses to your questions. In short, please stay tuned. We've got another, what, 22 minutes or so of riveting radio. Your answers will certainly be coming in a bit. After now, or rather for now, Ms. Marks takes over. Thank you very much indeed. Sophia, thank you for your help with that. And um, another question, with our incredible uh, pitfall program with CDC, USAID, and also NDIH, with your involvement, please could you explain uh, very briefly again our robust infrastructure and how with our tremendous 17-year program with South Africa and how we've been able to pivot 
to uh, COVID-19 uh, with our $45 million response to South Africa of COVID-19 and just in general, uh, and then some of the donations by the defense. Absolutely, uh, Ambassador Marks. Um, so the PEPFAR program um, has been a very strong partnership between South Africa and the United States for some decades now. And we are uh, in a very good position to have worked together on building some amazing health infrastructure and building some amazing health infrastructure capacity together, working together and partnering together on building uh, human resources, as well as a lot of resources around the support structures that are needed, like laboratories and other uh, uh, infrastructure needed to uh, implement a strong um, HIV response um, and to, as we were talking about, go towards epidemic control. So it only makes sense that this infrastructure at this very um, interesting, challenging, and unprecedented time should come into play as we talk about COVID-19 and providing support to not only our HIV communities, but to the country as well. And so in that regard, we've been leveraging our resources, our human resources, particularly healthcare workers who have been an integral part of the community screening, about 5,000 of them have been involved in that, and we continue to work very closely, um, not only in the screening program, but also utilizing that um, for COVID messaging, as well as messaging around HIV and TB, as well as drug delivery of medications and encouraging individuals to take chronic medication, their chronic medications for illnesses that they may need, because one of the casualties that seems to be happening during COVID-19 is that as our focus goes towards um, fighting this pandemic, um, there are still people who need our help and care for the conditions that they have um, that require um, health care and that at some level they are not accessing uh, because of concerns around the COVID um, infections or because they are worried about getting to facilities. So we've really been pivoting the program to ensure that these services continue, working very strongly with the South African government to make this happen. And uh, we continue to um, work with them to plan for the future. And we see that the COVID uh, pandemic is continuing for the current time. And as cases go up in South Africa, how we continue to support our communities better. We have Thank time you, for one more question, please, Ambassador. And um, also, uh, Sophia, could you please outline with the ventilators how these are state-of-the-art, how are we implementing training, also now oxygen as of yesterday, and how our Defense Department is so involved in supplying PPE and, and other uh, equipment to South Africa. Absolutely. Um, so um, we um, have been um, very lucky to partner with the South African government and to have a good sense of, from them you know, where we could be most helpful. As we watch the COVID-19 pandemic, we know that there will be a percentage of individuals um, or a subset of them that will require more support um, in, to get better. And this could include ventilators, which are becoming a very scarce resource um, right now all over the world. So to the generosity of the people of the United States and the government of the United States, we've been able to provide these ventilators which are really state of the art. And we hope that should anyone need that, that the lack of a ventilator 
um, should not be the reason that they don't get the best possible care because that is what we owe all our patients in this pandemic. We are also very mindful that um, oxygen supply will become an issue. Um, the number of infections that are occurring are such all over the world that no healthcare system is really prepared for them. So um, we are trying to work um, as we learn more and more about the infection that oxygen will be needed for a lot of people um, who end up in the hospital or get moderately sick with it, that that is provided in all different forms um, through different types of mechanisms, not just ventilators. Um, so we're working on that, and we're also recognizing that there will be needs of human resources and people being trained because uh, this is also going to happen as healthcare workers might get infected and that we need to have staff that can take care of people. So all of these are considerations for us in a very multifaceted uh, approach to helping cope with this pandemic um, here in South Africa, even as we deal with it at home. Thank you very Fantastic. much, Sophia. Thank you so much then, Dr. Sadiq. Thank you so much as well for your very insightful questions, Ambassador Marks. I mean, you clearly are invested in this. And, and, and we do appreciate the fact that you would have come from a perspective that perhaps I might not have been able to appreciate because you hold the prominent position that you do. And some of the questions you are asking were targeted questions because of the depth of the work that you are exposed to with some of the colleagues that you are speaking to in relation to essentially the partnerships that are so critical in making sure, at least in the two conversations that you were having, um, critical engagements in healthcare. Let's talk about healthcare even for a minute between ourselves. The United States are taking a hammering if the figures in relation to COVID-19 are anything to go by. What are some of the concerns emanating from those that you are close to in the United States? What are the conversations taking place in Washington and between Washington, and when I say Washington, of course, I mean the White House and Congress and some of the institutions. I mean, I understand that Dr. Fauci, at least if the media reports are anything to go by, he's grown very frustrated, or at least the relationship between him and the White House is not as strong as perhaps it was in the beginning. Do you want to just share some comments in relation to the United States broadly and COVID-19? Uh, yes, indeed. Um, first of all, President Trump has engaged with uh, Dr. Fauci and Ambassador Burks, who is much known and loved by South Africa. He has a very, very good relationship with Dr. Fauci. And um, unfortunately, President Trump has legitimate <clears throat> grievances against the WHO from the beginning, who uh, took it upon themselves to consider politics instead of medicine and science. So that is President Trump's frustration. Um, President Trump won't rest until we have a vaccine, until this whole situation is dealt with. This is unprecedented, this um, situation. We have a very different situation in the United States and in South Africa because each governor of each of the 50 states make, decides what they want to do and how they run each state. And President Trump has given the authority to these governors. He's been in touch with each and every governor many, many times by phone. I was personally at the White House in February, March, many days, three, four days in a row. I saw him engaging with teams from all over the country with health care. Um, he's given these governors whatever help they've needed in terms of ventilators, in terms of PPE. Um, he's been on the phone constantly with Governor Como of New York, the governor of Texas, the governor of California, the governor of Florida. Um, again, this is an unprecedented pandemic of which we had no warning. You read about this in science fiction, and here we are living this. 
Um, the only thing I'll say is that there's a massive amount of extra tests being conducted in the United States at the moment, and that's so you're seeing increased cases because there's much increased testing. But by the same token, except for a couple of days in between from 1,200 deaths a day, we're down. We were down at one day to 250 deaths a day. We're down to 400 deaths a day. That's still not acceptable, but we're moving in the right direction. But I know that this administration will not, be, will not rest until we have a vaccine, until we have things under control. But... Be that it is May, even though we have a big problem still in our own backyard, look at the generosity of the United States to the global community. We have given 58 countries state-of-the-art ventilators with invasive and non-invasive uh, abilities, as we've done with South Africa, the best of the best of what we have. We have given um, $1.3 billion from the State Department and USAID commitment. 12.5 billion on our global commitment, and it's just uh, the generosity of the American people. Even though our own people are suffering, we still consider the whole world, and in particular, every single, almost every country in Africa. So um, it's just the generosity of the American people. Fantastic. Let's leave it there then, uh, Ambassador Marks. We're going to carry on now with the balance of the show. And I'll ask you and I'll read more about the next segment after the ad break that you are more than welcome to join in, in the conversation as and when you would feel comfortable. Of course, my next guest is Ms. Anna Moyo, who's an advocacy program manager at the Center for the Study of Violence and Reconciliation, particularly looking at a challenge, particularly for Mozambique, but more broadly for the SADC region and the rise of insurgency and terrorist organizations. Please stay tuned. This is the African Narrative right after this.